Amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Amen. Somebody paid attention to last week's message and let out a song. I love to hear the church sing, and it's so freeing. You, so many people uh, don't understand how freeing and changing it is when you begin to worship, when you begin to let the words of the Word of God come out of your mouth, proclaiming truth to God. And so thank you for worshiping. I told you last week, you know, some of you say, well, I don't like to sing, Pastor. It's just not my thing. Well, uh, the good news is you've got a Holy Spirit living inside of you that likes to sing. And so what he wants you to do is to die to self and get out of the way and let him sing worship to the king. And that's what worship is. It's you getting out of the way, you stepping back and saying, Holy Spirit, I want to be completely controlled by you. You come in and let's worship. And when that happens, there is a power released in the body of Christ like you can't explain. And so I thank you for applying the word of God. It's not always easy. And this morning, uh, it's even going to be more difficult to apply because it is a hard truth that we're going to read about this morning. You know, in uh, Luke 17... Uh, Luke describes an incident that happens to Jesus as Jesus is traveling to Jerusalem. He's going from Galilee to Jerusalem, and that means he has to skirt Samaria. And Samaria was a, a bad area to the Jewish people. They didn't go through it. They didn't like it. They didn't like the Samaritan people. They considered them less than the rest of the Jewish population and the community. But he is going outside of Samaria, and as he comes into town, he comes across Ten lepers that are on the outskirts of town. Now, in our day, leprosy has a cure. We can cure leprosy. But in Jesus' day, leprosy was a debilitating, horrible, disfiguring disease. Leprosy was a skin and a bone disease that ate away at your skin and especially your extremities. It would start eating away your ears and your nose, your eyelids, then work on your fingers and your toes and then work its way to the point that you no longer could live. And it was horrible. And so you can imagine what people with leprosy went through when you have no eyelids and no nose and no ears. And, and in those days, to keep it from spreading, anyone that had leprosy had to leave the town. They could have no contact with anyone. So can you imagine, not only do you get leprosy, but you can't hug your family. You can't even see your family except across a wall or across a fence or across some distance. To not be able to hug your children, to hug your spouse, to not be able to go and fellowship and function, have to go live in a camp where everyone around you is rotting away and dying. Can you imagine how difficult that was? And so Jesus is coming and he crosses by where this camp is outside of town. And the ten lepers apparently had heard about Jesus because they all gathered and they couldn't get close to him. So Luke tells us that they began to holler at him. They said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Have pity on us. And all Luke records is that Jesus, as he is walking, stopped and said, you need to go to the priest and show him. Now, understand that the priest is the one who determined who is clean and unclean. The priest is the one who says, you've got to go live out there because you've got leprosy and you can't be a part of our community. So basically, Jesus said, why don't you go show the priest there is a change coming to your life? And the Bible says that as they went, all 10 of those guys that had hollered at Jesus, as they went, they were healed. Now, that's an unbelievable story, but it gets even better. I want you to listen to what happens after they are walking and cleansed. 
It said, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except for this foreigner, except for this Samaritan? Then he said to him, rise, go, for your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you well. So how did they respond? How would you respond? I mean, think about the nine that, that, that had been healed, that didn't come back. I mean, most of us can relate to them. They were overwhelmed. I mean, you're getting healed. What, what, what do you think? I, I can finally go and see my family. I hadn't held my little girl for years. You know, don't, don't all of a sudden start thinking these guys are bad. Because many of us would have done the same thing. They, maybe some of them went to the town and began to shout, look, I'm healed. Some of them might have even gone to church, to the temple, to lay a sacrifice because that's what you're supposed to do to honor God. So they may have gone and done that. All of them were changed, but yet this one guy had a different attitude. This one guy was different. He had the presence of mind to return. And the reason he returned is the key to our passage this morning. You see, while all the others celebrated the gift, this one focused on the giver. See, while all the other ones around were thinking about the healing and the blessing, this one was concentrating on who healed. And in that, he began to give thanks. You see, I'm sure he was so happy to be healed. I'm sure he wanted to go hug his family. I'm sure he was so excited. I'm sure that he felt blessed beyond measure. But because he decided to focus on the one who is healing and give thanks, his life was changed forever. Everybody got a blessing. All of them got healed, but this one got an eternal change. The Bible says he was saved because of that. And the key to what... You and I, understanding to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be controlled by the Holy Spirit, comes from that same principle this morning. The last couple of weeks in our study of Ephesians, we've been talking about what it means to be Spirit-filled, what it means to, to have the Holy Spirit living inside of us in total control. And I told you, the term Spirit-filled is a loaded term. It means a lot of things to a lot of people, and uh, so many of them are bad. And so instead of saying Spirit-filled, we're calling it Spirit-controlled. What he's saying is, is that you are controlled completely by the Holy Spirit. To be Spirit-filled, to be Spirit-controlled does not mean that you have an extra ounce of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean that you have more of him than anybody else or an extra experience or an extra amount. What it means is that he has more of you. You see, when you become controlled or filled by the Holy Spirit, it means God has all of you. And when he has all of you, when he has every area, that's what we just sang. All of a sudden, life changes. All of a sudden, he has control and Paul has told us here in Ephesians chapter 5 what that looks like. He said when that happens, the believer is going to seek unity. You can't be filled with the Holy Spirit and bring disunity. You can't be filled with the Holy Spirit and tear down other believers and gossip and backbite because the Holy Spirit won't allow it. A Holy Spirit-filled person will try to make the most of every moment. He says, redeem the time. You, you'll make the most of every opportunity you have to praise God, to share the love of Jesus Christ, to share love to those around you. You'll make the most of the time that you've got. He said they're encouragers. He said someone that's Spirit-filled will preach unity, will lift up, will bless, not tear down and destroy others. 
And then last week, as I've already said, we learned that when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, when you're spirit-controlled, you have a song in your heart. And if you have a song in your heart, then you have a song on your lips. And Paul pretty much says in, in Ephesians 5 that it's not an option for the Christian not to sing. This morning, what he's going to tell us from the same passage is that someone that is spirit-controlled, someone that is totally under the influence of the Holy Spirit will have a heart of thankfulness and gratitude. They'll be thankful. Now, most of the time when you say God calls us to be thankful, most of you in this room, when you hear that, you can say, well, I I can check out because I'm thankful. I can check out today, Pastor, because I am, I'm grateful for all that I have and everything that God's given me. And, and I am so thankful. But, but Paul takes it to another level because, you see, it's, it's one thing just to be thankful. It's another thing to be spirit-controlled thankful. To have a heart that is spirit-controlled under the influence of God, gratitude. And God is searching for those that are under the influence, spirit-controlled gratitude. Listen to what he says. We're going to go back and start back where we began in verse 18 in Ephesians 5. But the key is verse 20. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And then there's the last week. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. And then today's passage, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it sounds like that's a simple requirement, a simple expectation. But there are two words in there that change everything. We're going to look at those two words. And I'm going to ask you this morning, do you really have a thankful heart? See, we've discussed that to be spirit-controlled, to be spirit-filled means that you walk in humility because you can't be prideful and allow the Holy Spirit control. That conflicts. Yourself will fight the Holy Spirit. So you have to walk in humility. And the Bible says spirit-filled humility recognizes that we don't deserve anything. When you're walking in humility, you understand that the Bible says all I deserve is to be separated from God and spend an eternity in hell. Because of who I am, because of the sin in my life, because of the destruction that I caused. I don't deserve anything. And when you walk in that humility, when you begin to get that kind of mindset, you can't help but be thankful for everything. And so at the root of a heart of thankfulness comes humility. And that's what the the one leper had that came back because he didn't expect anything. He was sitting in his misery, sitting in his pain, but he understood that anything he received was going to be a blessing. Now, sadly, many today are not thankful. You see, we live in a culture today that everyone believes they have a right to things. They have an expectation for things. And we've lost a heart of thanksgiving. We've lost a heart of gratitude. We're not teaching our kids what it means to be thankful. The Bible Luke describes in Luke 17 a farmer that was like this. The Bible said a farmer was growing his crops and he had an incredible amount of crops and a great blessing. And so he began to plan, I need to build more barns for my crops. If I build more barns for my crops, then I can store all of the overflow and then I can just kick back and relax. Now, that sounds like a good deal. It sounds like good planning, doesn't it? But what happened was he was taking the idea that the reason he had good crops was because he did something to get it. It was because of his hard work that he had good crops. And so he figured that if I do the same thing year in and year out, I'm going to have good crops. What he failed to realize is that every blessing that he has comes from God. 
He didn't have good crops because he worked hard because his neighbor might have worked hard and didn't have good crops. He didn't have good crops because he had some kind of secret. He had a good crop because the Holy Spirit of God blessed him. And Jesus said, that man, the angel of the Lord went to him and said, who are you to plan for tomorrow and not understand that God is in control? Today your very life will be taken from you and then who will enjoy the crops that you planned See, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. That man realized that he didn't have the power to grow crops and he didn't have the power to protect them. See, so many today are not thankful because you think you've done something to get what you've got. You think all of that degree and all of that hard work and all of that uh, energy and effort that you put into something is the reason you're where you are and the reason that your bank account is where it is and the reason that you have the car that you have. Now, let me tell you something. There's nothing wrong with hard work. There's nothing wrong with education. All of those things are important. But if you don't recognize that everything that you have is a gift and a blessing from God, then you're missing it. Because there's a lot of people with the same degree that you have that don't have what you have. There's a lot of people that work even harder than you work and they don't have what you have. See, there's a lot of people that aren't thankful, that aren't grateful because they think I'm the one who got this. I'm the one who did all the work. And they're missing out on understanding that it's not about the gift. It's not about what you have. It's about who gave it. Because when you focus on who gave it, when you focus on the giver instead of the gift... Thankfulness will come out. There's a lot of people that are thankful, but they're thankful only in name. They're thankful only to show it. Uh, the Bible says in Luke 18, Jesus talking gives really a parable about a tax collector and a Pharisee that were in church. They went to the synagogue and the Pharisee went down and he began to blather off about how thankful he was. Oh, Lord, real loud in front of everybody. Lord, I'm so thankful that I'm not like that person and I'm not like the adulterer and I'm not like the murderer and I'm not like that. Even I'm not even like that tax collector. Lord, thank you for who I am. But you see, he wasn't really thankful. Not to God. He was thankful for himself and to himself. It was all just a religious show. You see, there's a lot of people in church. They like to talk about being thankful, but it's just show. It's just with your lips. So how do you know if you're really thankful? What separates someone that is living because they feel like they deserve things or someone who is thankful just with their lips? Well, Paul described it. He said someone who is controlled by the Holy Spirit, someone who is walking a spirit-filled life will always give thanks. I want you to think about that. Always give thanks. Good times, bad times. Rich, poor. Sickness, health. You see, someone who is controlled by the Holy Spirit doesn't depend on circumstances. Doesn't depend on what they've got to give thanks to God because they recognize it's not about their stuff. That's the first word that's a problem for many believers. Let me ask you this. Do you always give thanks? Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5, Give thanks in all circumstance, for this is God's will for your life. Always 
give thanks. Now, I touched on this back when we studied James, and James says, count it joy when you face trials and difficulties. And, and so I don't want to spend a lot of time there because I want to get to the second word because I think that's why God's got some of you here this morning. You see, as we mature, we learn to give thanks always. It doesn't just happen. You can say this morning, uh, I, I want to learn to give thanks always. It, it doesn't just happen. It's a process. But it's a process that the Holy Spirit takes you through when you're humble and you're open and obedient. So here, let me just give you a quickly how you can learn to be thankful during difficulties, how you can learn to be thankful uh, during struggles in your life, how you can learn to have a grateful heart, a grateful heart during the storms in your life. First, people start by learning to give thanks when they're blessed. You see, when you begin as a believer to recognize that God has blessed you, you start giving thanks and you start are grateful for that. All of a sudden you begin to mature. You start recognizing that I have because God's blessed me. I have the family I have because God's blessed me, not because I'm smart and handsome and I've done anything to deserve it. It's because God's blessed me. I have the kids that I have, not because I'm a better parent than my next door neighbor. I have the kids that I have because God's blessed me. I have the job that I have because God's blessed me. And you see, a believer will start recognizing that they are blessed and start giving thanks. But that's only the first rung. The second step, because, because you see, in the first step... You only recognize when you're blessed. When you're not blessed, you don't give thanks because you struggle with it. Because you're talking about the blessing instead of the blesser. The second step of always giving thanks is you'll start learning to thank God and be grateful for the blessings that are going to come. This is where faith and, and, uh, and gratefulness come together. Because you see, you start having faith. The Bible says God's going to bless me. God is going to be victorious. God is going to show up. And, and even though you can't see it yet, you start believing it. And you start giving thanks in advance. You start giving thanks for things that you believe God is going to do. For victories that are going to come. And as you mature, you start having a hope. A, a concerted understanding that God is going to step up. We trust and look forward to God's victory. You thank him for the blessing. Then all of a sudden you start seeing into the future and thanking him for what he is going to do. And then you get to the place where you can begin to thank him during the difficulties of life. When you start learning to thank him in the midst of your trials, in the midst of your circumstances, even when it may not look like you're going to win, you still thank him. So that's what Daniel did in the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into that fire. They were still worshiping. Didn't look good for them, but they didn't stop thanking God. Job, though he slay me, still I will worship him. I will praise him. You see, as we begin to focus on the giver instead of the gift, circumstances don't matter because the giver never changes. I may face trials and I may face storms and I may face difficulty, but the consistency of my life, where I trust, where I'm focused is on God. Not the blessing, the blesser. Joni Erickson Tata, who many of you know was paralyzed as a teenager, Christian singer, Christian speaker, says this, giving thanks is not a matter of feeling thankful. It's a matter of obedience. So it's not about how you feel. It's not about what you want to do. It's a matter of understanding who the blesser is and giving thanks. Now, I understand that's hard. 
I understand sometimes it's impossible when you're in the midst of a bad doctor's report, when you're in your sick bed, when you're facing death of a loved one, when you're facing tragedies in your life, when you're facing circumstances that are overwhelming you. I understand it's hard to give thanks, but that doesn't mean we're not supposed to. So how do you do it? How do you give thanks for all the time? How do you give thanks all the time? Listen to what Paul says in Philippians. I think this is the key. Listen to what he says. Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll say it again. Rejoice. That means give thanks. Let your gentleness be evident to all. For the Lord is near. Do not be anxious for anything. But in everything by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving. Present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding. Will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Did you hear the key there? How we can learn to give thanks all the time. At the end of verse 5 he says it. He says give thanks. The Lord is near. Because you see in the midst of your circumstances. In the midst of your trials. When you begin to recognize that God is right there. He says I will never leave you and forsake you. You begin to learn to give thanks. You see, the key to always giving thanks, no matter the storms or how high the waves, no matter how many difficulties you're facing, is God is near. That's what David was writing about in Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He he does what? He comforts me. He guides me. He leads me. He is with me. And you see, as a believer, when you begin to understand that no matter where you go, in that operating room, in that chemotherapy in that funeral parlor, to that tragic call that you get in the middle of the night, to that place where you don't get the loan that you needed to bail you out, you're not alone. The giver, the blesser, the creator of the universe is right there with you. And that helps take your mind off of your circumstance and off of your situation, and you can begin to worship him. And you can begin to have a heart of thanksgiving because you recognize in reality, I don't deserve anything. In reality, anything that I get is a blessing. Paul wants us to understand that the spirit-controlled believer is always thankful. But he takes it one more step. Now, I know some of you, you're hung here on always giving thanks because you struggle with giving thanks to God in the storms of your life. But for some of you, You need to hear this this morning because this is even more difficult because God doesn't just say always give thanks. Did you hear what he said in verse 20? Always give thanks to God for everything. See, he's not just telling us to give thanks in the midst of the storm. He's telling us when the spirit is controlling of our life that we will thank him for the storm. Now let that sink in for a minute. Not just be grateful, not just be thankful that God is with me in the storm, but to be thankful that the storm is happening. Think of the most difficult time in your life. The greatest tragedy that you faced. What has brought you the greatest suffering, the greatest pain? Have you thanked God for that? Can you thank God for that? 
Because you see, Paul is saying the person that is controlled by the Holy Spirit will thank God for everything that's happened in their life. You see, we know there's evil in the world. God doesn't cause it, but he allows it to happen. Not everything that we face is good, but the Word of God tells us that God can and will use everything in our life. Everything that we face, He will use it to bless us. And it's in those difficulties. You say, why should I thank God for that storm? Why should I thank God for the difficulties I went through? Because it was during that storm that you were able to see God and see His sufficiency and see His grace and see His mercy and see His love like never before. Somebody said before that the quickest path to a relationship to God, to a deep relationship to God is through suffering. Now, it doesn't mean you have to like it. He's not saying be glad it happened. He's not saying hope for it to happen again or wish for it to happen again or, or, or be, uh, you know, looking for it to happen again. But what he is saying is we have to learn to be thankful that it did happen. Not glad, thankful. Because if we believe that God is in total control and he controls everything and that he has our best interest at heart, that he loves us and he cares for us, he knows what he's doing when we face that storm. And it was in that storm, it was in that difficulty that God shined bright. Because God is in control. Do I thank God because because life is good? No. I thank God because God is good. Do I thank God because life has treated me well? No, but I thank God because God is always treating me better than I deserve. I want you to think about it for a minute. Because this is why some of you are here this morning. Some of you are here because you need to grasp this. Some of you are patting yourself on the back because you think, I've been through storms and I thank God in the midst of those storms. Man, I stood strong during the death of that family member or friend. And and, and I thank God. And with all my heart, I was grateful. Now, this is where it gets tough. Looking back, are you thankful that it happened? Let me tell you why we need to learn to be thankful for everything. First of all, when you're thankful for everything, you release the Holy Spirit's control in your life and you begin to experience God's presence like never before. Because you see, when, when you are thankful for even those things that hurt, why do you think Paul said, I, I thank God for the thorn in my flesh? Paul said, I was stoned, I was beaten, I was left shipwrecked, I, I was left for dead. And guess what? I thank God for it. How can he say that? Because he understood that it was in those moments that he saw and walked with God to gain a new perspective on everything that he faces. Because it's not about the circumstances, it's not about the situation, just like it's not about the blessings. It's about the one who's in control. And if God is really in control of everything, then I'm going to thank him. Good times are bad. Think about those difficulties you face. Think about the circumstances. When you take your hands and let God be in control, you can experience peace and joy like never before. The reason God wants you to thank Him for everything is because He wants you to let the Holy Spirit run your life. And here's the second one, and this is probably the most important thing. 
God wants you to thank him for everything that's happened in your life. Because for some of you, that one event you're still thinking about has control over you. Has its hands all over you. Some of you are still grieving. Some of you are still angry. Some of you are still mad. Some of you are still blaming and and, and hurting and seething over something that's happened, some struggle, some bondage, something that's happened long ago. And that event has a hold over you and it has power over you. And the Holy Spirit is the only one supposed to have a hold on you. And you cannot give that control to the Holy Spirit until you let go of whatever it is that's controlling you, whatever it is that happened to you that was a struggle. And that means you have got to get to the point of saying, God, thank you for the storm. Thank you for that pain. Thank you for that season of my life. I don't ever want to do it again. I didn't like it. I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't fun. But God, I thank you because I know that you know better than me. And I got to see you like I've never seen you before. See, some of you this morning need to take your hands off of it and release that power to the Holy Spirit. Those of you that know my testimony know that uh, my mother died a horrible death at 44 years old of diabetes or the complications of diabetes. It was a four-year process. I was 17, just turned 17 when it started. She lost her leg, and she went blind, and she lost her kidneys. For the last three, two and a half years, it was in and out of nursing homes. It was in and out of emergency rooms. She's dying. She's not dying. For a 17, 18, 19-year-old, that can be tough. That's a tough season. That's a tough storm. And there were a lot of times I thanked God in the storms, but more times than not, I was angry at God, and I was mad at God, and I was hurt. And I looked at everybody else living their life and me going through this and wondered why, and I didn't trust God. And I never realized how much control that had over me, how much control that had over me emotionally and spiritually and physically to the moment the Holy Spirit broke through and said, Rusty, It's time for you to thank me for that season. See, God didn't ask me to be happy about that season, but he did ask me to thank him. And in the process, in that moment of saying, God, that season made me who I am. It made me hear God's voice louder than ever before. It created me, it molded me, it made me, God, thank you good and bad, thank you. And I got a release. Everything changed. I didn't realize how much control it had until I released myself. But but let me warn you, some of you, as you need to do that, you're going to have a battle with self because self likes it. Self likes feeling sorry for itself. Self likes the the status quo. Self likes having someone to blame. Self likes feeling uh, self-loathing. And so when you begin to say, Holy Spirit, I want to thank you for everything at all times, the self is going to rise up and say, no, you don't. But being filled with the Holy Spirit means that you're humble and you die to self. When the Holy Spirit's in control, it'll always produce a thankful heart. And let me say this. When you can begin to thank God for all things, 
all the time. It's a life changer. It's a game changer. Paul, Peter says this in 1 Peter 1.16. In this you'll greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you've had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus is revealed. God has a purpose and he is there. Can you thank him this morning? Will you thank him this morning? Paul says, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. That's heavy. That's tough. Let me lighten it up a moment before I close. Story of two guys that are out hiking. They're backpacking. Some of you have been backpacking through here. You know as you backpack, sometimes you have to go through people's fences and walk across their fields. And these two guys are walking across the field. Got about halfway through the middle of it. They looked over towards their left, and there was a huge bull that had taken notice of them. And as they noticed the bull, the bull noticed them, and the bull began to charge. And they did what you and I normally would do when a bull begins to charge. They began to run, and they ran with everything, and that bull was gaining on them. One of the buddies looked over at the other buddy as they were running with everything he had. He said, listen, you better throw out a prayer. We're about to get killed. The other friend said, I can't throw out a prayer. I've never prayed in public. Never prayed in public. We're about to die. You you better pray. He said, I only know one prayer. Remember, they're screaming and they're running. He said, and that prayer was a prayer my mom taught me when I was little. And his friend said, I don't care. Pray it. Maybe God will help us. And so as he's running, the friend is, he's running. He said, oh, Lord, for this which we were about to receive, let us be thankful. Kind of silly, but true. Always be thankful for everything. Let's pray. Father, what we just talked about is hard. God, some of us have great pain, great hurt. Some of us have been through some seasons of depression, seasons of denial, seasons of death, seasons of sickness and struggle. And God, while we sensed your presence in that and we made it through with your help and by thanking you, God, it's tough to look back on it and be thankful for it. But God, you don't give us an option. For our spiritual health, it's time for us to take our hands off of it and say, God, you are in control. We trust you. God, I am thankful for this. And this morning, I pray some people here can say it. God, I am grateful for that time, for that season, whatever it is on their heart this morning. And in doing so, God, I pray your Holy Spirit would be a release in their heart. That God, as they say that and as they give themselves over to you, it would be more than words. It would be coming from a thankful heart. Holy Spirit, I pray you rise up inside of them. Giving them a new perspective, a new vision, a new power, a, a new presence. As they walk in you, God, we are thankful. We love you. We trust you. We humbly submit to you this morning. In your name I pray. Amen. Would you worship with us?